Good morning and welcome to episode 172 of Speech Therapy Murmurings, a speech and language therapy podcast by me, Chris Wade, Speech Therapist. So, <coughs> I just record this again because I've, uh, I'm using Waze as a sat-nav to get, a, to get some, one appointment to the other. And I set it, set it in zombie mode because I was bored. Um, <laughs> so, every so often, um, it pretends we're in some kind of zombie apocalypse and, and shouts things out. And it did it halfway through the podcast, which I thought would be a little bit... Kind of disconcerting. So I've turned the sound off. So I've had, um, I've spoken about this in the past, and I've kind of done tweets and kind of long threads, and I think I've done a podcast on on the general topic of remuneration. And the reason being this week is that I was contacted back in September, uh, just yeah, well September, um, by a speech and language therapist working with the NHS. Um, but essentially working for the public and they were stressed out and considering completely leaving the profession and like seriously considering completely leaving the profession because they were struggling to make ends meet and the stress levels that they were under didn't justify that Um, they were considering retraining, doing a course on coding and kind of completely leaving the profession and I've, I've spoken to lots of speech and therapists in the same position. And um, a lot that are in the public eye, um, or that kind of get a lot of, kind of eyes on them in social media, who have come to me and explained the kind of situation that they're in. And we've managed to work out some kind of solution that kind of tops up what their income is. Um, and topping up your income does not increase, doesn't reduce the amount of stress you're in your day job um, and potentially and this is why a lot of trusts or a lot of companies don't like people doing work on the side because if you're doing work on the side and also doing a full time job then the, there could be a negative impact of you or, or on the, on the full time job because you're extra tired you're not getting time to just re- kind of relax um, and yesterday I was kind of tagged into a tweet about a speech therapist who um, is more, I don't know whether it's a hypothetical tweet or whether it's a kind of an actual person but I believe it's an actual person because I've spoken to so many and this person wants to leave the job because kind of um, the impact it's having on their mental health and I don't know if people know I've got a, I've got a really old blog from about four years ago and it was in the middle of um, when I was selling my company, and I'll try and find. I know I know where it is. I, I'm just hesitant to share it again because I wrote it anonymously, and it was, a, it was basically a blog about kind of my my mental health and and what I was kind of going through at the time, um, and what we were going through as a family, and the strategies I was using to try and improve, and how I was talking to the doctor and kind of looking at all options in terms of how to kind of improve kind of my situation at the time and at the time I kind of shared I shared it anonymously and on the last kind of blog post I kind of said who it was and I got lots of kind of amazing feedback from from kind of members of the profession and kind of members of my family who weren't even aware and I think it's, it's just important that for one what we talk about our mental health because we all have it, um, and I, this is not me. I'm, I'm not a mental health expert at all. I'm giving my experience, or I'm talking about my experience, 
I talk about my experience as a clinician, as a speech language therapist, um, who's been under a lot of stress. Um, and so some of the things that I'm going to talk about today will be kind of the strategies that I've used, and these, these will be individual to the person as well. Um, but for me, what I, what I learn in terms of, kind of working, working on my own mental health was to, <coughs> to first acknowledge that I was having difficulties and acknowledge it to somebody else and put it back, put it out there and say, look, I am having difficulties. I'm struggling with sleeping. Um, I'm unable to get to sleep when I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm having kind of not full-on anxiety attacks, but I'm feeling like um, my chest is hurting. I can't switch off. I can't compartmentalize and move my current stresses over to something else. And I cannot breathe. I cannot go back to sleep. So I was struggling with sleep. I was struggling with um, my physical health. Uh, so it was affecting my digestion. Um, and as a result of that, I, I weren't eating right. I was kind of losing weight. I was eating a lot of junk when I drive. Um, I still do. That's bad. Um, but I weren't drinking enough water. Um, so one of the one of the kind of symptoms of that is constipation. Um, and I ended up being under the doctors for kind of severe constipation. And kind of... Um, Embarrassing to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, bleeding at the same time, um, and I know a lot of individuals that have suffered from this as, as, a, as a kind of a symptom of their stress. That kind of poor diet, poor because it's affecting your diet or your or your appetite. It affects your sleep, and then you've got this potential to become to become more and more constipated. And then the the result of that for me was was an absolute like, physical agony um, in between going to the toilet. Um, so that was one big thing for me. And then the knock-on effect of the physical illness, which was brought on by this, my, my poor mental health, was that I, that I had poorer mental health. I didn't want to go out for meals. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to go out to, to socialize. Um, I was in agony um, pretty much for hours every day. And then I was given this kind of, cream and the cream gives you a, a headache immediately. I don't know what cream is. Um, but it gives you this this headache and the headache then impacts on everything else. And the headache would last for an hour after applying the cream, but you do it twice a day. So you'd have a guaranteed hour a full hour of headache which felt like a migraine and you can feel like you feel the throbbing in your head. So I had that twice a day. And I think it all stems back from being super stressed about the sale of the company um, really struggling financially at the time because we were kind of getting the company in order um, and running this running the company with very little financial support from people that owned the company then and the stress levels were just getting more and more and then we had more difficult kind of news at home um, and I had to kind of reflect on it wasn't just my mental health it was the mental health of me and the children and my wife um, and we had to kind of look at it together and think, right, how can we kind of improve our situation? So some of the things that really helped me was, one, going to the doctor and acknowledging I was in agony, um, two, going down the treatment issue, a treatment kind of route in terms of my constipation, um, and that took a good few months. Um, getting on top of my sleep was really helpful. So um, Nia has lots of hypnobirthing um, tapes, and hypnobirthing tapes are incredible because they knock me straight off to sleep. Um, but as part of that, I, I had to improve my sleep, my kind of a sleep kind of routine, which was um, 
reducing the amount of screen time I had before bed, potentially reading a book or an audio book, uh, making sure the temperature of the room was right, making sure that I had the right pillow, <laughs> making sure that I was dressed appropriately for bed. Um, I heard, heard a lot about how wearing socks at bedtime helps with kind of maintaining uh, kind of a, the right temperature in order for you to be asleep and stay asleep. Uh, you can't sleep if you've got cold limbs. Uh, or cold extremities, so your feet and hands. Your hands are in the duvet, your feet are in the duvet, but if your feet are cold at any point, then you are more, li- you are more likely not to sleep or have as good sleep. We throw in the fact that we had a, another newborn baby at the time, and it, it, you can see how how everything kind of fell apart for us, or was difficult for us, not fell apart. Um, the other thing I had to think about was my diet. So I kept a food diary. Um, I kind of considered what was going in. Um, and when you make a food diary, you're acknowledging what you're doing, and you're taking ownership of what you're doing. Um, and it might not, for me, it wasn't it wasn't to try and lose weight, to gain weight. It was just to get on top of my digestion issues, my constipation. Uh, I increased the amount of water that I was drinking. So that, uh, as I used to wear an Apple Watch, my broken again. Um, and it, it would tell me several times during the hour when to take a sip of water or when to take a drink of water and monitor how much I was drinking. So I was kind of make, maintaining the right level of hydration so I weren't getting headaches all the time. And then, kind of, thinking of it after a speech now, so it's actually your body. So looking after your body is number one. And that's, if you don't look after your body, then you're not going to, I feel you're not going to be able to look after your mental health. And it's, it's part and parcel in your body. It is your body. Um, so then looking at kind of my workload, I could see that I was driving too often at the time, so I changed how I work. And this is where the flexibility of working independently is there, but the stress of working independently for a financial cash flow, insurance referrals, make sure they work, make sure people pay on time, all that. And um, there's definite pros and cons. So I had to consider all of that when I was kind of, kind of looking at my workload. I started doing a lot more work online. Started being a lot more picky with the family that I was working with, and I still am. Um, if a family is, I, I don't know, if I, if I if I don't gel with a family and the way that they're communicating with me, um, then I don't take on that piece of work because I need to protect myself. I need to make sure that I feel happy, I feel safe when working with particular families. So that's one another thing. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so I, I was kind of careful in the way that I worked and who I worked with. Um, one of the things, so if you're a clinician in the NHS or a local authority or within private practice of working for somebody and you feel that you've got difficulties with your mental health, for one, acknowledge them. This <laughs> is so bad, sorry. Um, so for one, acknowledge that you're having difficulties. Speak to your boss. Tell line manager to speak to the clinical division, keep a note of it. Make sure there's like a paper trail that you've made, that you've expressed concerns. And look at what services are linked to who you work with. Do they have a headspace um, and a subscription? Do they have any services that you can access in order to, like some companies provide boot, or I know the NHS will provide boot, but some companies do. Um, have a look at what is out there um, in terms of free support. Speak to your GP. Um, keep an eye on your body kind of hydration, your sleep, your um, kind of your kind of external stress factors outside of work. Um, exercise is always helpful and told. I just I'm rubbish at exercising. But di- diet and exercise are really helpful. Um, 
but acknowledging it for me is that first step to say, look, I, I am struggling with something. Um, the caseload is way too complex. The caseload is too big. Um, I know there's a kind of there's all plethora of reasons why people get stressed at work, um, and it's not possible to just switch off and kind of crack on with your weekend if you've got stresses at work. So it will impact on your evenings and your weekends. But acknowledge what it's doing to you and explain to your line manager, explain to your supervisor, keep that record. Um, ask colleagues if there's any way in terms of kind of time efficiency, anything that they're doing to reduce what they're doing in terms of the, the kind of efficiencies that, they, that you might be able to do, which might be like using kind of report templates, for example, or case note templates, or um, there's, there's lots of things that I do um, if I use my PA, I'm very lucky, I've got a full-time PA, and I, I use Gemma in order to reduce how much I physically have to do myself from an admin perspective. Um, ask at work what services are available to, to keep you in your job, to keep you happy, to keep you kind of safely working. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, like I say, I mean, these, these are things that I've done. Um, I know that the, the other aspect of it is, yes, there are kind of financial stresses on everybody at the moment. And unfortunately, public sector work is, is underpaid, and speech therapy in general is underpaid. Um, and if you are really struggling, ask um, for one, ask, ask for your manager in HR in terms of the potential for moving up, for not advances, because you end up getting back and getting into debt to your employer. But explore opportunities. So for me, I, I hate the fact that speech therapists work on such low salaries when the, the money is within the system to pay them significantly higher, and they do pay significantly higher for a lot of people's work. Um, so therapy, that local authority or that um, commission is paid at higher rates than they pay the NHS for that therapy, often quadruple the rate. So you're probably looking at 150, 160, 170, and that's someone goes on 100, but 100 pounds an hour is a lot more than you would ever get in the NHS for therapy. Assessments are charged at kind of 650,000, 1250 um, for an assessment. And the money's within the system, but that's not something that's going to change kind of that that quick. Well, it's not going to change. It is going to change. We're pushing, I, I'll, I will advocate for a 15% rise for public sector workers, but that's not enough. You need a 100% rise to be even close to what you, what you should be earning, and it's not going to happen. So, kind of seek advice from kind of um, budgeting experts um, in terms of how to budget what you do have. Um, but I mean, there, there is a lot of advice out there in terms of, kind of working, managing your money, um, what, looking at what benefits you might be entitled to, um, and also managing stress levels. But as a, as a speech therapist, I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of increasingly concerned that people are leaving the profession when in fact, we're, we're at a stretch, we're kind of not, we're stretched as anything, but I mean, this is including all speech therapists, we're stretched as anything, and we are past breaking point as a profession. And, but don't feel bad if you have to. If you have to leave the profession for your own mental health, um, then, then take a career break and kind of reflect on it, look at other opportunities. You don't have to stay in this profession. Um, I would love everybody who's a qualified therapist to carry on working as a qualified therapist, but if you can't, don't feel bad. 
you've not failed. The system has failed you. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel silly talking about it because I'm just talking about my own experiences. But if it's helped anybody, then, then I'm happy. Right. Um, take care. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.